0: This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self Storage Income.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Self-Storage Income Podcast. We've got an incredible episode lined up for you today with Pam. Tons of, tons of amazing information. Great individual. So happy we finally got her on the podcast. Uh, Really excited about it. But first, before we jump into that, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Live Oak Bank and Janice International. Live Oak Bank has got some incredible SBA opportunities going on. Right now, so right now it is May of 2021, almost June coming up on June here. But uh, between now and September 30th, the SBA waves are or SBA fees rather are waived, which is huge. This is a big deal, uh, which is it just it's very, very cool. All these little fees that just add up and can eat away at your resources, getting those fees down is huge. Uh, the other huge thing going on is that, um between now and September the SBA will make six months of your PI payments for you up to nine thousand dollars per month so that is a huge huge incentive if you're looking to get started in self storage utilizing an SBA loan um, something to remember though here is that this is on the funded portion only obviously so you're obviously only funding X percent it's not on the total amount for the facility anything like that but um, huge, huge incentive. There's been subsidies and enhancements in the past with SBAs and things, but nothing like this. So go to the show notes, check out the link for Live Oak Bank. Our next sponsor, Janus International. They have some incredible, incredible tools and resources for you guys. A lot of you owner, operators, investors out there are looking to take your facilities to the next level. Janice International allows you to do that through their R3 program, which you can actually go and put in new doors. You can enhance your facility, bring it up to modern day standards. You can update things, improve them. And they also have their keyless access entry system Noki, They uh, purchased Noki several years ago. Nokia is a fantastic option to bring your facility up to modern day consumer standards as far as interaction and experience with purchasing a product, right? Because storage is a product at the end of the day. People want that convenience. They want that efficiency. They want the ability to literally just pick up their phone and access their unit, access the facility, do whatever they need to do without Unneeded or unnecessary interaction with a manager or any of that kind of stuff. So, Noki allows you to do that. Again, check out those show notes. Go over, check out Janice. Go check out Live Oak. Incredible people. With
0: that said, let's jump into the episode. Welcome, everybody, to Self Storage Income. And I could not be more excited about today's interview with my friend, Pam Dominique. She's awesome, been in the storage for a long time. She is also a partner with me in Store Local, has an absolute Great wealth of knowledge for us to go into, and and, and we're going to talk about it. But she ha- she owns my fa- well, at least last time I checked, she owned, but my favorite facility in the entire world. So we're going to get be able to talk about that. And without any further ado, how's it going? How you doing?
2: It's going. It's going. Thank you for having me, and thanks for the wonderful buildup.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to. You've been on our list for a long time, so I'm glad we got this and glad we got it to make it work. And so, I, first of all, we'll get to my favorite facility because I want you to tell this story and everything. <laughs> but how did you get into storage? Tell, tell people a little bit about your background and how in the world you got into this.
2: Well, it's honestly not something we ever intended on doing. Um, back in, t- in the... Uh, Pre crash days in 2003, four or five, we were building some properties. And in six and seven, we had built two houses and we planned on selling them and doing a 1031 into apartment buildings. Uh, Unfortunately, prices got so high, it didn't make sense to do apartment buildings. And we Found a storage facility and we really we seriously looked at each other, my husband and I and said, Well, how hard can that be? <laughs> it's a passive, it's a passive investment, not a problem. We were both in the car business. We had our own business.
0: Sounds um, just like me and my dad. How hard yeah. can it be? It's, There's no toilets. No, hard
2: can it be. There be hard. no toilets. You don't do anything.
0: <laughs> it's exactly what yeah. we said.
2: <laughs> I think we immediately found out that's not the case. Yes. Um, and we loved it. So we turned our first facility into a second that year, and then the next year kept adding on.
0: And now, what are you up to now? How many facilities do you got?
2: We sold one, so we have six facilities right now, and we're in an escrow on two others.
0: Awesome! And where at, Where are, are all your facilities located?
2: All over. We love to drive. Um, well, we have the one in Hawaii, and then we've got. Um, they're all kind of in the desert region, so uh we've got one in central california just north of bakersfield in delano we've got lancaster fontana a couple in yucca valley and we're starting uh we're in escarron two and starting a build as well
0: awesome wow. awesome yes that's sounds familiar yeah. sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> okay now before we start talking more about storage stuff we got to talk about your facility. I just love, it was the coolest thing. You let me go tour it and go through it. Um, it was so cool. It's in Hawaii, but tell, tell everybody about this facility.
2: In all honesty, it's kind of my favorite too. It's, um, it is pretty cool. So there was another storage operator who owned a minority interest in this property, which is how we found out about it. And we were in, it was in Hawaii and it's built in the old ammunition bunkers the navy bunkers from world war ii actually I think they were property was kind of built in the 20s or 30s so pre-world war ii um, back in the 70s when the base left the property was kind of bartered to hunt corporation who didn't know what to do with it and a developer came in and decided that it would be great used for warehousing uh some Somebody who works for for uh, the developer and a realtor in town and another guy all decided to get together and build a storage facility and part of the property. And they literally just partitioned out ammunition bunkers.
0: It is so, so cool.
2: It's very cool. There's a lot of history. We're trying to research and bring some of the history back, but it really is a cool piece of piece of property. I mean, and the fact that I get to go there and, work there and we have a stream running through our storage facility it's in a valley
0: it's like in this valley there's like frogs and like
2: yeah there's rumor has it there might be some ancient hawaiian um petrographs up on one of the bunkers Mm -hmm. that we're not disturbing because we don't want them to have people come down and try and uh, harm them but it's a very natural area it's like i said streams animals yeah we've got it all
0: well, and it's cool because you go down in that valley, you follow the stream down there. You you have your office up top, and then you have this right. little road that you go down. You go down in the valley, you cross over this just beautiful stream. There's just yep. trees. My kids were just like amazing. And then you go in and you have that, like the walls along the valley, right? And these humongous doors and cement mm-hmm. uh, that's just in the, the wall, like yep. the canyon. And they open up. And you go inside these ginormous doors that are like <laughs> bomb shelters and you walk in and there's all these units in them. It's got to be the most secure facility in the world. Oh, I mean, and, <laughs> that's a and, legit storage
2: facility. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, you know, you're in storage, you know, those late night calls. Those bunker doors get shut at 5.30. I don't have anybody stuck inside the gate or complaining or trying to sneak in in the middle of the night and steal something. It's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, too, the other thing I loved about it, when I got in the valley, you're looking at these big doors, right? You look up and the gun turrets
2: yeah (laughs) or up on the canyon walls that's how we keep our delinquencies low what can i say Um, yeah the old guard the old guard towers are all still there and we're trying to figure out how we can safely um, the whole property there's an association that governs the entire property and i'm on the board there but we're trying to figure out how we can safely refurbish them and bring them back right now they might not be safe to climb although i've been tempted a few times
0: yeah, I, I'm surprised my brother Taylor, when he was down there, didn't try because uh, he, <laughs> he would have loved that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I've seriously come close if, just a couple times. But yeah, it is a very unique property and I just, I love it.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking. For all our further developments in the future, AJ. Just bunkers. Yeah, bunkers, bunkers, gun turrets. Yes.
2: Yes, fine bunkers. Yeah. Government. The government might be, uh, you know, looking for cash soon, so.
0: Exactly.
1: Sell some of those those
0: to us, and we'll make them. (laughs) Heck
1: yeah, I like that strategy. Let's do
0: it. So tell us about your first. Like you've got these facilities. You got big ones, or California, Hawaii, which too, by the way, is one of the things that I think is so interesting about that. It's not like you're in. You're in um, easy places to own facilities, buy them or build them. So, you know, that's always very interesting to me. Um, how, tell us, tell us about this first facility you got though, when you were getting into it, how big was it? Um, where was it? The
2: the first facility was 50,000 square feet, uh, 420 units in Yucca Valley, California, which is just above Palm Springs. Um, it's a nice little town, real, real retirement town. The people are great. Uh, it's definitely not mainstream. We really like the area. We like the town. The business is always that's the that facility is always done very well and keeps growing. And it's just, you know, we want facilities that we can get to within a couple hours drive. We, we obviously aren't going to compete with some of the big guys on some of the facilities in LA or even orange County right now. But as long as we can get there within a few hours and still keep a, uh, Touch it, feel it, keep our hands on it, keep our eyes on it, and and manage it ourselves. That's what we like to do.
0: Did you always start out managing yourself? Was that right out of the gate? Yes. How was that a tough learning curve?
2: Very much. I I found out right away that it's not just a passive income, and you really have to do something. You know, we did the thing everybody does: had a cousin who's retired and put them in to manage it, and um, you know, we we had a few bumps. Um, and decided that I needed to really start figuring out what I'm doing. And so I started hitting some of the conferences, the CSSA, some of the education, lean law. And, you know, within a year, felt comfortable with what I was doing. Um, I mean, obviously I'm still learning. I still go to conferences. I still keep my ears open and try to figure out how to do things better and right. But at that point it started being a real job.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Speaking Uh, of those, what what were some of the best resources that you found going through that learning curve that helped
2: you? People. Um, Brought on by the the CSSA. Uh, Erin King was the director at the time. And, you know, she encouraged me to attend a couple of the education events. And I went to the SSA show and spent a lot of time. But the people I met there have been invaluable. You know, people like uh, Sue Haviland has helped me over the years. Carol, Carol Mix and Grendel, they've helped me over the years. If I have a question or I'm unsure of something and now it's great. We go back and forth. We talk to each other if we need to run something by, but I learned from the people and the people in this industry are so welcoming and so open and have always been amazing about sharing information and, and showing people how to do things the right way.
0: I couldn't agree more with that. That's awesome. It's, it, you know, yeah. coming from the insurance industry, which was uber cutthroat
2: okay aj i came from the car business <laughs> so i mean it does not get more cutthroat than that you
0: yes know? wasn't it refreshing
2: like it's i was blown away i was i it was i thought it was a joke like yeah. why is spencer kirk telling people how to make money this doesn't make sense i came from an industry where the guy across the street would do everything he could to keep somebody from you know buying a car yeah um, so it, it was really refreshing and interesting. And I think that's one of the things that really drew me into this industry.
0: Yeah. It, it, I, it, same with us. I got to tell you the idea that we work with other people, um, are, are like, even like where we have a huge concentration of our assets, there's a really big, large player, um, that would probably be considered like our largest competitor, right? We love them to death, call yep. them up. If they need anything. Hey, do you need somebody to come over there? Like I, I know I could literally call them if something happened at one of my facilities, they would send one of their managers or someone yeah. down to man my facility.
2: Uh, I have what... a facility in Delano, California. A car ran through it. Saturday morning, one of the worst rainstorms we had. It would have taken us four hours to get there through LA. Car literally ran through the building, almost killing a customer and my employees. Mm. Uh, another operator in it's a very small town, another operator who I had just really started to get to know. They just started showing up at some of the CSSA events um, after many years absence and just just really kind of getting to know them. Um, we're very similar. We have a lot in common. They pulled people off of a construction job and sent them to our place to board the facility up and to prioritize rebuilding our office. That's yeah. everything. That's That's Let's, the kind of industry this is. 100%. And today, today we're great friends, and actually, she's um, going to Nashville with me. First you know, time she's hit a spring show, but it's amazing.
0: It is. It, it's so funny when I, when I talk to people because they're like, uh, when you come from other industries, I, I can tell when people are coming from other industries because they're really guarded. They go, AJ, why do you give away all your secrets? Like, why do you tell everybody how to do this? And I'm like, the better other competitors are and players are, the better we all do, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm in a city and I talk about this a lot in storage, the worst thing is when somebody that doesn't know what they're doing comes in and builds, gives us a bad Mm -hmm. name. Because if you understand good building practices, good economics, you're going to build where there's demand. Well, I can't fill all the demand. Wait, what if I have one facility in a city, what am I going to not want somebody else to be in it? That doesn't even make sense. I only have 800 units or 600 units. Like, yep. It, it, like that doesn't make any sense at all. So it's like, no, I want other people to do that. We and we love good players. Like in storage, yeah. you love the people that give storage a good name. They're working hard. I mean, the amount of work that people in you know in this industry, single operators put in to try to improve the industry, like with the co-op that we're a part of, everything else. It's really really cool, and it's it it's very unique. I feel uh, to I, this industry. I
2: don't know any industry that that has that kind of compassion and camaraderie between the players i really don't
0: me neither um and you know i think it's that's one of the reasons we all get into playing now when you started going when was you when did you build your first facility
2: oh we've never built we've always okay. bought always so taught. the first one we bought was in 2007 and so at that time the cssa's conferences were in october and the ssa was in september so um the very first six months later i was at a show it was
0: right away. And have yep, you ever try- th- thought about building or is it always just uh, We mine? we,
2: uh, we I would really would really to, not to, but yep. my husband my thinking keeps thinking about it, So we so we our starting our right now. right now.
0: Yep, that's how we always were too. It was was like you you know what what? really would would not. would would rather not build. Mm-hmm. We, we were we of the same type. of then, you know. and You get in situations where all of a sudden you're like, well, I got to. It's, you know, not operations. And the thing I do like about building, though, is it's like you can take that operator knowledge, right? You know how, like, you can tell people in storage that just invest, but they don't operate at all. And you can tell because you're you're like, we're having two different conversations. (laughs) You're like, you don't know the inner workings. And so the operators in storage, when they build assets, they build good ones. And they built the right product type, right way to utilize it. How's my manager going to work in this? How are we going to deliver this right? And that's all really well thought out. And that was really cool when we built. Because it was like you have these storage facilities that you could tell. Everybody just kind of built and everything. And then we could build something based upon our operational experience that we knew people would want and how they would use right. it. And we filled the our first our first facility that we, we built, we filled up in three months. And the reason we did was because the product types and how we used it, right? And what what we did was very tailored to that market and our operations. Um and I think that's I, I like hearing when operators centric people end up building and I love to see the product and types that I agree. they agree,
2: Well, we've all adapted so many facilities that just don't have you know the, our facility a couple of them just didn't have the right unit mix. So we had to really go in. It was somebody who wasn't in the industry that built them. Had no yep. clue. Just decided, I have property. I have land. Let's build something. And, of course, the older facilities were built with offices that are just not functional for today's for today's world. I mean, yep. it's it's going to be exciting to have a property that's brand new and built. Yeah. But, you know, I'm terrified. Yeah. It's a
0: process. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's a big deal. It's, uh, you know, and it's funny because... Uh, you know, Connor has to deal with all the facilities that we buy when you can immediately tell. Office behind the gate, the office doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, who planned this out, right? Everything. So then we've got to come in and literally rearrange yes. how it all works out of our capital expenditures. we got to change the yep. office, all of it, right, to just meet the needs. And it, we can immediately tell. Perfect example, of those two facilities, um, we just bought two in Oklahoma, and we have another one we're closing on now. And you could tell the one we're closing on now versus the other two we bought, mm-hmm. that person, if they didn't know storage, they did a lot of research on it. And the other ones, they had no idea anything about storage.
2: Yeah, or they just took an old facility and put the gate where it was the cheapest to put the gate yes. with one inches. just in the office. Yeah, people can't get to it because they can't go through if they're not a customer. Um, one of the facilities that we're in, hopefully, in escrow on is we're going to have to do the, some gate work right away because – People
0: gotta get in. Yeah, yeah. I I often when we ever we see those, I often wonder. I'm like, how many people have gone there, turned around and left? Yeah, because they absolutely. didn't even ask. And it's got to be a huge amount.
2: Yeah, it has to be.
0: I mean, even after we bought it, we owned it. We were like, they're sitting there outside the gate. We're like, can we get in? We're like, it was like, where's the matter? Like, how do we get yeah. into our own we've facility? Done, we've
2: yeah, we've tried it. We were like. How do you do this? Yeah, it, it's I'm looking at the property, and I look at it. It's just a matter of they didn't want to put an extra gate, so they just put one gate and yeah. put the fence and just locked it up. Cheap, mm. Cheapest way possible.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, it's it's a strong indicator of kind of kinda how the good things that have happened in storage over the past you know yeah. 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is, where you have these older facilities that were built in these ways that in those times... It may have made sense. They were
2: they uh, were built for a they were built for a drive up gate on the driveway. Yeah, I mean a pull on yeah. gate on the driveway. It's, they were not built for electronic gate.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So now you know we have all this technology and and things where. You know, people expect to just be able to come in and access a facility you know, with their phone or with uh, being able to just go into the office or whatever it is. Uh, and it just kind of represents that change in the industry, I think,
0: for sure. Well, like, especially, too, because like, even the one that we bought, my favorite is it was never built with an office, and then they turned a unit into a, a, an office oh, and built nice. like, on the side, right? So it's still nice. in a part of the building, and it's just like this... <laughs> And you're like, okay, we can see how you've tried to adapt this over the years. to stop functioning.
2: I have land and I'm going to build a storage unit because somebody told yep. me they just bring in cash. Exactly.
0: Their... You don't have to do anything. Don't
2: have to do anything. You just sit there and the cash rolls in. Absolutely. So what <laughs> I you... still hear that. Yeah. I still hear that from people, by the way. Yep. Oh, absolutely. For sure. A great yeah. business.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. No, every time somebody asks me what I do and I tell them like anything related to storage, mm. they're like, oh, cash cows. Like, yep. like yep. literally every single time I'm like, yeah, they can be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: do them right. <laughs> Cash cows. You don't have to do anything. I've always yeah. thought of getting into that because it's a great way to put my money, but yeah, I can keep my full-time job and I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And you're like,
2: mm, well. Yeah. Been there, uh, done that. Doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Tried that.
0: Yep. So what do you look for when you're going to try to find a facility to buy?
2: You know, location. Um, I don't really want to buy out of state. There's a few areas I might consider. I might consider, you know, Phoenix, uh, Nevada, uh, like Vegas area. It's easy to get to. But, you know, location right now, I'm at the point where I'd like to find or build near my existing facilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes, you know, operationally too, that can that really,
2: really help. Well, me. operationally, it makes sense. Um, we'll help with the employees, uh, it, just so many different areas, and it'll just help with my time. Yeah. But I do go to Hawaii once a month, so I've got to limit the time I'm in California.
1: I've got to offset that for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do you have your management structure set up?
2: Well, we're still small enough that I have man- I have facility managers at each location and one kind of a regional who handles a lot of stuff for me. And then I I go the go to the facilities, my husband and I, and we manage them ourselves.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that something that we're awesome. working on implementing right now is that that regional or district manager role for all of our. Uh, it's tough. I'm
2: trying to bring up another person to help out too, as well, and really and take on more. So, but it's been tough with COVID. I haven't been able yeah. to do the training I wanted to do. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, and even in finding good people to hire and getting them in those.
2: Positions and things like that That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. We have areas right now. It's just like, we just can't even hire good people.
2: It's not just, you can't hire and you have to put up with a lot. You can't fire either because you're, you can't refill jobs.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, we have to end up putting up with people that were like, we would never in any circumstance ever yep. put up with this, but we, and if we put, it's if a we horrible thing because I it know is.
2: we're going to pay for it later, but mm-hmm. it's it's just it's really hard.
0: Really hard right now. And that's a thing that I think people vastly underestimate about storage. Is uh, you know, So many people, I think, have this idea, oh, well, it's just automated. Like, I'll just put it online and then I don't have to deal with people, right? And no. it's like, okay, now hold on here. And we talk about this a lot. There's no such thing as a manless storage facility automation? Yes, I do that. But uh-huh. manless? Manless? No. There are a ton of activities that require somebody to be doing those activities. So creating the processes and systems to achieve the desired result, right? And managing uh-huh. those people, that's a that's a big thing in storage. Like how are these uh-huh. operations that people have to do, you can't automate them? Uh-huh. Who's doing them? How are they doing them? What's the efficiencies of them, right?
2: You know, there's so many things you can do to automate, but they're not 100%. No. They don't work all the time. You've no. got to have somebody there when that customer's frustrated because their Bluetooth lock isn't working or um, they're trying to make a payment on a kiosk and it's not working. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You still need people. Yeah. And the people are what make the difference. Sometimes the people are why they come to our facilities. They love the people. Um,
0: well, I mean. I you- don't
2: know that we can go away from that. Yeah.
0: There's no way that we can on our types of facilities. I mean, when when you're looking at 160,000 square foot facility, it's impossible, right? It, right. Which, well, if you look at the economic damage that it would do, it makes no logical sense because it pales in comparison of hiring a person. Um, right, right. And even on the small facilities though, which when I look at facilities, 50,000 square feet and under, I'm like, yeah, you have to automate this. But I don't mean that no one has to do anything. When somebody moves out, you have to clear out that unit. You have to get yeah. it ready for auction. You have to do all of those things. So even if someone's not on site twenty four seven, somebody still has to do those functions. So who's doing them?
2: How and does even that work? I, and I think you just need to have people there. Right now, theft is high. I yeah. mean people are right. Yeah. I mean, theft is at an all time high. I think you gotta have bodies there just to deter theft.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We don't across know our portfolios. Yeah. Too.
2: God, if you have parking, catalytic converters are going like you know dime a dozen.
1: Yes. Yeah. No. Anything disappearing. Just nailed down. Yeah. yeah. We've had from RVs to you know fences getting cut to yeah. I mean, like organized groups yeah. of people going to facilities and just cleaning units out. I mean, it's it's been kind of crazy. So
0: it has been yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah. No, That's a good point.
0: So tell me about this. When you, now you've been in storage for a long time, you've owned it. You own big facilities. You have lots of them. Um what do you think are the pros and cons of this industry? And as a new person getting into it as a more, a large operator, what, what do you suggest to them?
2: Well, I think the okay, the pros, um, the people, the operators, the customers, uh, is a pretty simple model you know, it's not rocket science. Um, you're not dealing with residential real estate, which, you know, my heart went out to anybody last year who had apartment rentals or houses for rent with the moratoriums and things that were in, at least in our states, in California and Hawaii. Um, I was, I thank God that we had no more residential real estate to be, to deal with. But it, it on the cons it is a business you cannot just sit back and let it go you you're dealing with people personnel um you're dealing with all everything all the bad things of a business that you don't like it's not just to sit back and collect your money but i think the good outweighs the bad and i love it i love the industry i really do love meeting other operators becoming friends with other operators talking to other operators and our customers i mean they're great most of them are yeah. You know, very open, very, you know, they they want to talk to you. If, if I'm in Hawaii and customers come in, they'll wait till I'm free so they can come yeah. say hi or or bring me snacks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't think you get that in a lot of places. Yeah.
0: No, I could not agree more. And so if somebody's trying to get into this industry, what would you tell them? What what would be your advice for someone coming in?
2: Do your homework go to trade shows talk to people do not just invest in a storage without having any idea of what it is talk to operators don't talk to don't just talk to the lenders or the investment groups that are trying to get you talk to the talk to operators talk to the smaller operators talk to managers go shop some facilities um take a look at it see what you really need to do and really plan it well and don't be afraid to walk away from a deal if it's not right
0: uh, that that is just absolute necessity in gold. You know, it's funny too, because with storage, we're, we're a very tight knit industry, right? Like it it is, there's such a small concentration of large operators in this industry, um, because it was so fragmented, like most of the main operators and the ones that own more than, you know, two, three facilities, right? We all know who they are. We know each other. It's 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 a very tight-knit industry. And so going and finding those people and talking to those people is a totally different experience than you what you'll learn about in the industry by having those conversations with these people that have, for all intents and purposes, literally created the industry. Right? Like, yeah. this. it's very different than yeah. other industries. They literally have created this industry. Yes. And that is – when I talk to those people and then I go talk to – Investment advisors or things like that. You're talking about. It's almost like you're talking about a different asset
2: class. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Absolutely. Well,
0: and
1: you hit the nail on the head too. And talking about doing your homework and and uh, really looking at the, these facilities before you just jump in and you're going to go buy a facility because you know it looks good on a spreadsheet or whatever it is. And we, we just had a perfect example of yeah. this where yeah. uh, we were looking at a facility to acquire. Uh, Good value add, looked like it anyway. And uh, Uh this facility had actually been, uh, it it had actually, the the current owner had bought it with the goal of doing a value add, going in and improving it and everything else. And uh, they just, again, it's clear they had no idea what they were getting into, had no idea what they were buying, no idea what they were doing at all. And um, us looking at this facility, obviously they have it up for sale (laughs) because they want to offload this thing and get rid of it as quick as they can. Uh, And I don't blame them, Uh, but, you know, us looking at this and going through due diligence and, you know, we're identifying all these issues that um, from a, would you call that political or uh, legal or, I mean, with the flood? stuff? I mean, uh, just from that standpoint in the civil engineering aspect and everything, what we would want to do or would need to do there, we Uh. could not do. And the process of being able to do anything with it is such a huge unknown and such a huge process that it's not even yep. worth it. And guaranteed, the people that bought it before this had no, no idea. idea. No clue.
0: Yep. It, it was in a flood, flood zone. So the Whoever city buys wouldn't allow it, you to buy it, build, or do you know, anything.
2: That's the problem. Right now, people are so desperate to buy a property. And I see it all the time. They just need to buy something or they did a 1031 and they've got to place that money. And of course, Things are going for ridiculous money right now, properties. So they are overlooking and not doing their due diligence, and it's scary. They're going to yeah. end up with the same problem, and
1: yeah. it, for sure. Yeah, it was a it, crazy situation because they actually like adjusted. So this was this facility was built back when, and then at some point FEMA had adjusted the the floodplain maps, uh, yep. uh, and all that jazz. And so now, if somebody wanted to go in and rebuild and do anything, they would have to figure out how they could do that. Well yeah.
0: and the and it was in it's very and utter very expensive yeah. because you would have to lift the buildings, the cement and everything up. Yeah. You'd have to literally lift the whole thing up. Which it's like they said in the planning, I mean that's not even feasible. It's not even you know, you, you just demolish it because it's not even and you're going, and I, This is on the market and somebody's gonna buy it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they will. Somebody will buy yeah. it.
0: And it needs and it's in complete disarray because nobody's Put the money to redo things because they can't <laughs> so wow. oh you know and we and see that, a lot and of that today
2: yeah that's happening every day and so I think you really have to be careful I mean I'll admit we almost overpaid on a property last year because they couldn't find a property it was in it was in a location we already have a facility it was a smaller facility but had room to build on and it sounded good now one of the partners ended up they ended up upping the, the sellers up their price several times. And we kept saying, all right, fine. And at some point we're just like, I, this doesn't make sense. I mean, I think we can improve it, but it, it's just not worth it. And we had to step back and one of the sellers decided he didn't want to sell. Um, but it, it's tough. You, you really want properties right now and they're not yeah. easy to find. So you get kind of get in that mode where, well, I'll just go up a little more, a little more you know it has happened we're doing great right now storage is doing great but i've also seen the downtime where all of a sudden yeah. things are going backwards a little bit or areas start to get overbuilt and you you've heard operators some of the big ones talking about the overbuilding and how it impacted their bottom line yeah so i think we just need to be careful
0: i man i couldn't agree more i think that's probably the best advice for right now you got to be careful because what you said earlier is you got to be ready to walk away from a deal and yep. I think that is actually the best um, uh, skill and attribute of a good operator and investor is that they can walk away. They say no. It's not easy,
2: but <laughs> it's not easy.
0: Exactly, and that's why it's so important. Yeah. Because one mistake can ruin it for you. Like you don't. If you want to be in this industry and you do a bad deal, all of a sudden you get a bad taste in your mouth and you're just like, oh, this wasn't at all what, you know, and you're like, well, you shouldn't have bought it in the first place.
2: I mean, it could financially ruin, ruin yeah. you if that's your entire investment. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I read an article at ISS talking about taking your retirement savings and putting it in self storage for that passive income flow. Yeah. Like, that's great. But just remember, you've got to work it and yeah. you've got to, pay attention and you have to be on top of it, or you're going to spend that money hiring a management company, which if you don't want to do it. You don't want to put the time in. You've got to hire a management company.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about third-party management companies? Um, what, what are the, what do you think are the pros and cons?
2: Okay. Um, I had one and I, it, it didn't work out well for us. Uh, the Hawaii school was managed before we had one or before we bought it. And we decided to keep them on. Um, I didn't really want to make that trip every month, uh-huh. but it didn't work out. The The pros, and there are some good ones out there. So there's a lot of good third-party management. Um, do your homework, research, find out what they bill you for, what they charge you for, and what's not charged or what's passed on. Um, I, I'm a little scared scared because i've seen it happen where when they have facilities in your general area are they going to push people to their facilities over yours just things you really have to be aware um as far as the pros if you don't want to run the business but you want to own a storage facility let somebody run it for you let someone do it who knows what they're doing and there are some good ones out there just do your homework
0: you know we uh we're looking at facilities and we, we're looking at the total cost, right? And it's interesting because the average cost of um, third-party managements is between 7 to 10%. Um, so generally speaking, it's 8% of gross revenues, which a lot of people don't understand. They say, oh, well, that's not me because I'm paying 5%. And you go, well, it actually is you because it's all the fees it's the insurance. It's are they collecting
2: else. the insurance? Are they collecting the fees? Are they mm-hmm. adding on to a call center? Are they charging you extra for software? Yep. Are they? What are they packing on? I was actually mine came out to about eighteen percent.
0: Yeah, and that's that's in yeah exactly, and that's actually yeah. standard. It's not, and so it there's these gimmicks and these games that third party management people play.
2: Oh, we'll, we'll discount you and give you five percent. That's great, but you know, do you get to see the line items? Do you see the bills that go with those yes. line items? I'm an operator who's been doing this. So I was able to compare bills with quotes that, from the same company that I had received. So it was very easy for me once I was allowed to get the bills to figure out that this isn't for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to pay surcharges and it's, Hey, who doesn't love going to Hawaii once a month?
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> and it, you know, it's
0: funny. Cause like you said, we, cause we are the operator Every once in a while, we would look and say, what if we moved our five facilities and then 10 facilities? Why don't we, let's go talk to extra space. Let's go. To, let's look at yeah. what do. They could manage it. We could do something else, right? Every time we'd ever run the financials, it cost mm-hmm. us more than having all our staff, everything else, having all control. Um, and it was not a little. It was oh. a lot. Oh.
2: So you then it was so- like,
0: well, why are we doing that?
2: I may do that at some point if I, yeah. when I stop wanting to be involved, I may, there's some good management yeah. companies. There's smaller companies that just basically manage, um, the smaller aspects. They don't do the whole extra space, mm-hmm. but you know, someday I may decide to do that, but I'll do my homework and I'll research it and I'll find somebody that will work, that will work according to what I need.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Cause there are huge advantages mm-hmm. and like in, some people that have the strategy of using third party and building stuff, it's incredible and it works perfect. Um, Like you said, you just need to be aware of what you're getting into. That's right. And it's really hard if you haven't been in the industry to be aware. And I I would suggest talking to people like Pam and other people in the industry that have this experience and, and maybe questioning, saying, you know, is this a good deal? It'd be great for you to get somebody that has and say, could you look over maybe some of these proposals and tell me? Because if you're not operating it it's amazing what gets hidden or what you don't yeah. understand in it because you don't know how it works.
2: Well, the the sellers of the property that I had purchased that was managed, they were just happy the income was going up. Yeah. From
0: That's when it. they built
2: it. Yep. And they were just that they were happy to see a, an upward trend. They had no idea how much money they were losing. Yep. Until we we took over and managed it ourselves and it was an immediate turnaround.
0: Yep. I remember that because when we were out there, it was right after that, uh, you know, had happened. Well, I'm, I think that, you know, you've given just so many good, important things that every single person in self-storage needs to listen to, needs to do. I'd like to know though, before, before we end here and go out, what do you, what is, what do you think's happening with self-storage and what do you think of the future of self-storage is?
2: You know, I hope I'm wrong, but. I see it changing a little from what it was, 2 let's say two years ago, uh-huh. you know, when it was operator helping operator. I do see with the more, uh, the more venture capitalist money coming in and the, it, it's just, it's changing. I don't yeah. quite know how to describe it, but it's changing. I hope it doesn't. I hope it goes back to stay in the industry that it always was with the industry pioneers, helping people out, still relevant, still working that's what I would like to see. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't want to see a it change. It's, yep. it's. It's been good to us, yeah. as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to keep it that way. I don't want to see a bunch of money come in, ruin the industry and then, you know, fail out and leave a mess.
0: Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's one of the best part of the industry is, is that, lack of walls. It's helping each other out. It's uh, working. And I, I like to see people get in and succeed. That yep, makes me, me happy. And, um, that is a big part why we're both a part of, you know, store local, because that's mm-hmm. basically the premise. It's to make yep. sure that anybody coming in can succeed and that they have all the tools that everybody else does. That's exactly. And it, that is, you know, it's interesting because everybody that's a part of that and, the founding members, why it, it is of that spirit, and I feel like that's the spirit of self storage, and that's what that that's what it's doing. It's like, no, we get together, we share everything, we work together, right? And it's it's trying to make sure that that stays alive. And I think that's a very unique thing in self storage too. Operators like you, us, and other really large operators are actively working to keep it that way.
2: Uh, yes. And I I want to see it stay that way. I don't, you know, some of the pricing I'm seeing going on, some of the deals I'm seeing, I, I'm, I'm scared for those (laughs) investors and those operators, because I don't know if they can sustain that and if they'll make money. So I want, you know, it might be great for all of us. We might have some good buys coming up in the next few years, but I would really like to see everyone succeed. So I'd like to see people do it the right way. I'm constantly helping new operators, Mm -hmm. Uh, made a lot of friends, helping people the way other people help me.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And thank you so much for coming on. Well, I appreciate thank you. it's you. nice to see you yeah it's great to see you too I'm look forward to seeing you at more conferences it's been a year we missed each other because everything got canceled so I know you know and I didn't and I made it out to Maui but I didn't make it to your island so you what? know what I know <laughs> I know but thank you and we'll have you on again and I look forward to talking more hey, anybody that would like to know or reach out maybe to you where can they find out about you or where can they go
2: they can go to uh, the web- website storage solution with no S on the end, solution.com. And they can email me directly if they want any information at pam at storage solution.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate right. it. And Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so
2: much, All right. Too. Say hi to the family.
0: I will. You too. Okay. will see you.
2: Bye.
0: Bye.